You are listening to a multi-part teaching series on the gifts from God as it pertains to the body of Christ. These were recorded during our weekly Rescue Church Life Group meetings. All right, so we are going uh, into part five of probably a five or six part series. And we're starting in Ephesians 4, verse 17. But before all that, I want to just remind you kind of what of some of the things we've been dialoguing about. First week, we talked about Ephesians 4 and the mandate of the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the evangelist, and the teacher to equip the saints for the work of ministry, which is different than you, you know, you pay me and I do ministry for you. It's not like that. What it is, is we are here to help equip people to be powerful in their metron and their sphere of influence and to steward the measure of faith that God has given them to edify the body of Christ and reach the world for Christ. And then you have the gifts in Romans 12, 6 and 7 that are kind of wired into people, kind of like how we're hardwired. And then in 1 Corinthians 12, you have the gifts of the Spirit that the Holy Spirit gives as he wills. And um, those are the, the way the Holy Spirit communicates and demonstrates the supremacy of Jesus Christ. And one of the ways the scripture speaks about the Holy Spirit as a person, but also as a gift. And I want to um, just mention that he is a person. And the greatest thing that God could ever give is not a miracle, a healing, a breakthrough, uh, a financial miracle. But the greatest thing that God could ever give us is himself. And the Holy Spirit has came to live in us. And so Bill Johnson says it this way. He's in you for you, but he's upon you for them. And so God is in us to sanctify and transform us and to make us like Jesus. But he is upon us, like Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach. And so he's in me for me, but he's upon me for them. And them would be you and the world around us and your them would be the people that you're around and that God has called you to minister to and to reach. So that's kind of what we've been interacting on. And so I want to get into the Holy Spirit as a person and us doing everything that we can to really protect the relationship. When you're married and you want to stay married and that's your intention to be faithful, let's say to your wife, you don't put yourself in precarious situations because if you put yourself in a frying pan, you can get cooked. So what you're trying to do because you value the marriage, you're trying to protect the relationship. And so you don't want to put yourself in precarious situations because you value the relationship. And I think that as we have a personal relationship with God, the Holy Spirit, we become aware that he's a person and people have feelings and um, there's things that we could say or do uh, that are that are that are grieving to him. And so I don't want to be the source of God's grief. And so we're going to kind of end there. But let me just say all that before we get into Ephesians 4, 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, in other words, being numb, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. 
So it's speaking of sexual immorality and greed and being completely numb and given over to that. Verse 20, but you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you may be able to put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, to just go through this, um, his testimony is in the Lord. And he's telling them that they should no longer walk the way the rest of the pagans. That's what the word Gentile means. Uh, heathens, we would say sinners. Uh, but but we, we should no longer walk the way you used to. And he's speaking of the futility of their mind. And that word is there is, is emptiness. It is um, the, the pagan world is a world full of emptiness. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated or cut off from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Now, the word ignorance here is, is to be ignorant, but it's, it means literally a lack of knowledge or perception and you can't receive what you don't perceive that's why uh perception is a very very important part of discernment of wisdom of understanding you you cannot receive what you don't perceive and so if you don't perceive that what someone is saying is valuable or you don't perceive that the person that is speaking has knowledge and is wise then you will not position yourself accordingly. So ignorance is really something that can really rob us. Okay, ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. And so this is this is interesting because uh, it, it is just to, to be blind, the inability to see, but it also means the dulling of the intellect. See, He's doing something here very important. He, he's tying the heart and the mind together. And he's showing the progression of people who walk in the futility of their mind, who are given over to perversion, how it darkens their, uh, it, it alienates them from God's life, from the life that God intended for them. And there is a dullness uh, of the intellect. And we, we live in a culture that everyone has PhDs and everyone is very educated, but there's a there's a lack of wisdom. The other day I was, uh, you know, dialoguing with, you know, people and um, just practical, simple wisdom seemed like a radical idea. And I just thought to myself, it's very possible to be very educated and to lack wisdom. And so that is the world around us today, specifically the world, because the wisdom of this world is it is in contradiction to the wisdom of God. Therefore, it's not wisdom, it's foolishness. OK, who being past feeling. Who have made themselves numb. Feelings are are actually a good thing, by the way. Um, feelings are like notifications on your phone. Sometimes. A notification on your phone 
is a tremendous blessing and a great thing. And there's other times where you're writing or reading an email where you swipe the notification away as quick as possible. It's not over. You're going to have to deal with it later. It just can't be front and center now. And that is a that is a great example of what emotions are like. They are notifications letting us know something is right or something is wrong. But these people that the apostle is speaking about have become numb. And when your understanding is darkened and you're alienated from the life of God and there is a dullness of the intellect, you become numb. So what you're seeing here is a progression of how the enemy gets at people. He gets at the heart. He gets at the mind. And then you're going to see they're given over to lewdness, uncleanness is speaking of sexual immorality, two different ways, and greediness. I got to have it, which is a, a, a profound expression of lust. Sometimes we think lust is always sexual, but anything that you have to have and anything that becomes too dominant, it starts dragging you around, it becomes lust. Okay, verse 20, he says, so you have not learned Christ. Here the apostle is not saying you didn't learn about Christ. He's not saying you didn't learn the doctrine, but he's saying you have not learned Christ. And, and that what, what it really is to disciple someone is not to teach them about Christ. It's to demonstrate Christ to them. And since we're human, when we are not perfectly demonstrating that, we have to acknowledge that, uh, admit our shortcoming, confess our sin, confess our fault, and then move on. But he says, but you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. So in other words, if you've really learned Christ, here's what you do. You put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So this is important. The old man grows corrupt. The new man is renewed. So you see eternal life at work and you see death at work. It's very, very important. Now, the thing that's encouraging is when he tells us to put off concerning your former conduct, you can. That So that's important because sometimes you're like, oh, I feel like I can't. It, well, okay, but he says you can, and I believe him. So that that's important, you know, because unbelief many times talks us out of the very thing that faith has talked us into. And um, he he uses this word deceitful lust. It's very interesting because that word deceitful, you find that that phrase where Jesus speaks about the deceitfulness of riches, the deceitfulness of sin, and now Paul is speaking of the deceitfulness of lusts. These are three things that will really lie to you in a profound and 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 dangerous way so the thing with sin is the bible says that sin for a season is pleasurable in other words you may enjoy it in the beginning of a thing but the end of that thing is death and and you may enjoy um you know like for example you see all in movies you see a guy he's being seduced by a woman he gives her information that she shouldn't have and then he winds up you know dead in someone's trunk and so that's 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 a that's an example of 
the deceitfulness of lusts. You see that in, in the story of Samson, where he gave information uh, because of lust to someone that used that information to destroy him. And so whether we're talking about the deceitfulness of lust, the deceitfulness of uh, sin, or the deceitfulness of riches, which, which is basically like, without me, you cannot be happy. With me, you will be happy. And it's never enough. And, and it's this thing of, it gives you a deluded perspective of yourself. And um, those three things are profoundly deceitful and destructive. And we have to be really on guard about those things because they have a, they have a way of lying to us. Uh, and it's very destructive. Now, be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you may put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Here's the good news. The spirit of your mind is like the place where you get the download. So for those of you who have a MacBook, you know that let's say you're in Safari or Google and you download something, you've got to click over to the file where the download actually was downloaded into so that you could pull it onto the desktop or open it wherever you're going to open it. And so being renewed in the spirit of your mind, the spirit of your mind is the place where the download comes from the Holy Spirit. And that is that is something that needs to be renewed. It needs to be washed and cleaned. It needs to be maintained, similar to the idea of living with a clear conscience, uh, confessing your sin. Um, maybe you're not actively doing crazy sins. But, you know, you're you're you have some maybe some pent up frustration or whatever, whatever we deal with as humans, just, you know, you're going to see in a few minutes about going going to bed angry is not a good idea. So you, you just kind of basically, you know, you have to really keep this this chalkboard clean. So when the Lord begins to draw on the chalkboard, there's not a whole bunch of other pictures there. But there's clarity. And many people live with, they're like clogged up, but on the inside. And and so they, they have unresolved issues, maybe some strife, maybe some confusion. And so it's difficult for them to receive from the Lord, not because the Lord doesn't love them, but because there is an internal preoccupation with so many other things. It's kind of like, if you're trying to have a conversation and you really like the person you're talking to, but there's just 10 people in the room screaming at the top of their lungs and you're like, I, I really love you and want to hear you. I, I just actually can't hear you right now. And so, you know, maybe you have to move to another room. That's the same thing as kind of removing things that would try to fog up uh, the spirit of your mind because that's where you receive from. Okay. Now, and put on the new man. So the old man is uh, one that's growing corrupt. He, he, he's a nasty boy. Uh, he, he lives in the emptiness of his mind. He's given over to greed, lust. Uh, his heart is blind. He's numb. Um, he's not really what you want. Um, and the new man is, is he has a bent. He's bent. He doesn't get bent. He's bent toward righteousness. In other words, he has a proclivity towards doing what is right. And when you do what is wrong, he does not feel good about that. 
And so that's also the Spirit's work. Okay. Therefore, put away lying. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. If if I lie to you, I defile you. If you lie to people, you, you are, especially to the body of Christ, you're defiling the body. We're members of one another. Lying to you or you lying to me or us lying to each other is like lying to yourself. It's not really a good idea. Okay. We are members of one another. We belong to one another. So how we speak to each other matters. How we treat each other matters. Are we always going to get it perfect? We may not. But that's why, again, where we're, we acknowledge, hey, I, I dropped the ball. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And and we, we should be quick not to point out someone else's flaws, but quick to acknowledge when we dropped the ball and we got it uh, wrong. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. So let me just say this, that anger is not a sin. There are things in this life that we see that make us angry. And, but the sin of it is when you let the sun go down on it and it gives place to the devil. So in the Holy Spirit, we have self-control. And there are times when you need to feel a sense of anger about injustice. You need to feel a sense of that's wrong. Like the scripture calls us to hate the things that God hates. It doesn't say hate the people that God hates because God doesn't hate people. It says hate the things. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. The fear of the Lord is also to depart from evil. You will never leave something you don't hate. You'll never leave something you're not sick and tired of. And so you you can feel the impulse of anger, but that's when self-control comes on you and you don't react in anger. You don't let anger overtake you, but you have self-control. Self-control overtakes the anger. And then through self-control and patience, you process, okay, what am I going to do with this anger that I'm feeling? You know, you may look at, you know, people starving to death in Haiti and it makes you angry. Or you may look at the, the human trafficking thing. It may make you angry. Or you may look at abortion and it makes, it's, it's, it's yes, it's, I mean, makes you angry to see a baby ripped apart. And, and so uh, what we're not going to do is go shooting people and, and blowing up stuff and, you know, burning down places that we're not going to, respond out of the impulse of anger we're going to let self-control and patience work in us so that we can have discernment and and that anger can be harnessed and uh, converted into compassion one of the things that i learned that when when i was immature spiritually there were things that make me mad then that make me sad now. And so, you know, God works in your heart and in your life. And he brings you to a place of maturity where you're able to process anger, pain, and different things differently. All right. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him work laboring with his hands. What is good that he may have something 
to give to him who has need. So here you're seeing the transformation of the hands. Remember, we were just talking about the heart and the mind. Uh, now we're talking about the hands. And here the hands are, they used to take, 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 steal. Now they're giving. All right. Here's the hardest. <laughs> now we're going to get into the tongue. <laughs> Uh, let no corrupt word, forgive me, Lord, proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification? Edification is necessary. We all need to be built up. I need to be built up. That's why I have a pastor. I have friends. You need to be built up. We all need to be built up. And we all should speak words that are building and helping other people to build. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but that which is necessary for the edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. So the words that we speak should actually be words that empower people to live right and to do right. Now, if they don't want to do right, that's not that's not your problem. But our words should impart grace. In other words, our words should be words that are empowering to people. So we should be saying things not to get something off of our chest and not to give someone a piece of our mind, but to give someone a piece of God's heart to encourage them and to strengthen them and to build them up. And sometimes to build someone up, there's things that you have to tear down. And I understand that. I have a, a coach and he he made me switch my room in my house, he, I had to rearrange my whole room for this thing called accountability. And every rep, he would criticize it. And people on the internet would say, that's great. He would say, that's terrible. That's not how you do it. You're doing it wrong. You're not. And because his eyes are trained and he was ranked third in the United States this year, he knows what he's talking about. And so the point there is that to sometimes build someone up, you have to address things that are wrong. So when I'm talking about speaking words of edification that are graceful, I'm not talking about flattering people and making them feel good in their sin. I'm just saying that when we say things that are even difficult, even if you say something hard, say it softly and, and say it with their benefit in mind, not just to get it off your, you know, your, your chest so you can move on with your, your day. Um, that's not good. So, and, and here, watch, watch what comes next and do not grieve the Holy spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. I, I was in a church meeting years ago. Sarah probably knows about this. And I was very frustrated with the pastor at the time because it felt like every time God would move in worship, he'd come in and shut the church meeting down. And it just felt frustrating. And uh, we just wanted to worship. And I just, I didn't, you know, I was young and I just wanted to worship and I was frustrated. And I said, Lord, this guy, he's always quenching you. And the Lord said to me, Adam, your words grieve me. So the things that we say can be a source of grief for the Lord. The Bible says that Jesus was a man of sorrows who was acquainted with grief. He was not living in grief because of his own sin, because he didn't have any sin. So it was our craziness 
and Israel's irresponsiveness that uh, brought grief and sorrow to the Lord's heart. He said to them, I wanted to gather you like a mother hen gathers chicks, but you wouldn't come. And so there was a gathering and there was a, there was plans and purposes uh, that he had for them, but they wouldn't participate with that. And that grieved him. The word grieve here gets translated as if someone who is full of sorrow. So one of the things that you experience as a, as a, as a father, or I'm not a mother, but my wife's a mother. When your your children begin to mistreat each other, it can really make you angry. Um, it can really be very, very frustrating. And I think that when we don't speak correctly to each other, whether it's in the marriage relationship, whether it's in the church body, um, I think it's grieving to the Lord. And I think that we can say things even about people that are it's grieving to the Lord. And I'm, I'm sensitive to this because this is an area in my life where I need to be very cautious because I can say things and it can, it can have a bad effect. Um, especially if you have spiritual authority, you have to really watch your words because you can injure someone, even though if that wasn't the intention, but intention is not enough. We have to really watch the words that we speak. And there are times when I feel a sense of, oh man, I just grieve the Holy Spirit with what I just said. And I say, man, I'm sorry, Holy Spirit, because Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a thing and it, a feeling. He's not a dove. He's not, you know, a wind, a fire, oil. He's a person. Those are all metaphors to show how he moves, but he's a person. He's equally God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so he is God with us. And we have to really be sensitive to this relationship because the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts our heart. He's the one who comforts us. He's the one that is with us through it all and in, in, in and here. And so we have to be sensitive to him. I found that we become sensitive to every other thing but him. We, we're sensitive to, I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want to do this. But what about God? Like, you know, th that's something that we really just have to think about, like, I don't want to be a source of sorrow and grief to God. And you're like, how could God feel sorrow? God has feelings. How do you think you got him? <laughs> I mean, God is a person and people have feelings. God looked at Saul and the scripture said he regretted even, even like, like putting him in power. Like, so it's this thing of like, we don't want to be the source of God's pain especially as believers, like we all used to be definitely a source of grief and, and pain. But as you grow in Jesus, you want to be someone who speaks words that are empowering to other people, that are helpful to other people. Um, and, and you do not want to be grieving the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Watch this. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away with you with all malice. So all of those are malicious ways to speak and so this is something that we have to ask the lord to remove malice um because malice is when you say something to hurt someone um you know it's it's like you say it not to build them up not to challenge them but to hurt them 
to put shame, guilt, fear. Maybe you try to intimidate someone. Maybe you're nasty and, and you say something that is true. Maybe you have spiritual insight, but your heart is not clean and you have a malicious spirit and the, the revelation is contaminated with bitterness because there's malice in your heart. That's the opposite of how we should speak. Um, that is that is the opposite because maliciousness is to really like take someone. It's like it's kind of like blindsiding someone um, versus building someone up. And and we don't we don't we don't want to speak like that. And you don't want that type of speech in your home, and you don't want that type of speech happening with your children, and you don't want people around your children that operate like that. So you have to really watch that. Uh, 32, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So as much as we're saints, as much as we're saved, we still may be in positions where we may need to forgive one another. Maybe I need to forgive you. Maybe you need to forgive me. Uh, maybe Sister Lebecki needs to forgive me. Whoever it is, we need to be uh, forgiving and tender-hearted, and the basis of how we treat each other is even as God in Christ forgave you. So because God through Jesus and in Jesus forgave me, then I need to be someone who is forgiving toward others. And, and that is important. That's an expression of being tender-hearted. It's an expression of the love that you've received, wanting to give that away. And I would say that that's an important attribute of Christians, but forgiving this context is one another. It's not always one person forgiving the other person because that's dysfunctional and that's broken. He's talking about in our own humanity, us just being forgiving and having an attitude of forgiveness. He's not talking about basically accepting abuse and being abused by people and say, I need to forgive, I need to forgive, I need to forgive. Yeah, you 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 do need to forgive, but you don't need to be around abuse and dysfunction. That That is something that the scripture is clear. It says, live peaceably with all men, uh, such as you are able. And so if someone doesn't want to live peaceably, then you don't have to live with them. That's Or around them, or you have to choose who you want to be around and what you want to be around. And I find that that intensifies the the further and the more serious you get about serving God and about your calling. And I think it even intensifies even more when there's children involved because you have to be the gatekeepers, especially when they're very young as to who you're going to let your children uh, be around and what environment there they can be in and the words that you're going to speak in your home I think these are all really important things. And I think that what I'm what I'm most challenged about me personally is verse 29. Uh, let no corrupt uh, communication there. The word is uh, kekos uh, indicates a lack in a person uh, of those qualities in which should be possessed. So it's like a it's like a it's like you're lacking morally, you know, uh, and the words you speak are an expression of the inner lack. So um, I just think that we need to pray and, and be cautious uh, with our words. Holy Spirit, I ask you to help us to really, really be cautious 
with our words, that you would give us grace and that our words uh, would be imparting grace and edifying and building up others in Jesus name. Thanks for listening to the Rescue Church podcast. We would love to see you in person. For more information, visit rescuechurch.tv slash invite.